0: Tabletop with Toddy, a podcast for millennials designed to motivate, inspire, and educate you on what it really takes to live a real life on purpose. This isn't your typical podcast. You can count on me to keep it real, funky, and relatable here on Tabletop with Toddy. Hey, guys, it's Natasha Tati-Weston, and this is episode 22 of the Table Talk with Tati podcast. I am really excited today because we have joining us one of my virtual besties, and um, his name is Ricky Zavista, and he's one of those people that I've met on social media and we just hit it off instantly, and that was like a long time ago. And um, we've just been really joined at the hip ever since. Ricky's push-through and no filter attitude has not only made him a fashion celebrity in his home state of Connecticut, but he is now driving as a personal stylist in New Jersey, and he is living out his dreams. But don't get it twisted. Life has not always been peaches and cream. And like many of my friends that are in this entrepreneurial space, Ricky never stops. So today, I'm going to chat with one of the most ambitious people I have ever, ever met and find out how in the hell he's been able to accomplish so many amazing things coming from a not-so-popular state, and we're going to talk a little bit, I guess, about the importance of breaking barriers, and this conversation can just go all the way back. So guys, put your helmets on because our conversations get really real, so Welcome to the podcast, Ricky. I am super excited to finally talk to
1: y'all. I know. Thank you. I'm excited about this whole thing. And before we even start, I just want to say congratulations to you as well on the podcast, the books, everything, everything thank you've done. You. You're welcome. Thank you.
0: Thank you so and much. And
1: that intro was amazing. I need to add that to my bio because I like how <laughs> you put some stuff together. But we'll talk about that offline. <laughs> yes.
0: yes, we will. And, like, okay, guys, so, you know, I normally have, like, this, a bio for my guest, and, you know, I had their long list of accolades and all that, but Ricky is a different kind of friend, and he's one of those people that you don't have to have your itch together to speak to him, and that's what I really love about him, and so I didn't have a bio to work with, but because I know him, and we've known right. each other since, I think, like 2009, 2010, like that long oh. ago. Um, you know, I've been able to first, first hand, witness his journey and witness from the beginning to now where he is. So that kind of makes doing interviews a lot a lot more fun and a lot more relaxed because I actually know who I'm talking to. Um, so you'll find out this this I won't even call it an interview, this conversation, we're gonna talk about quite a few things and so I still say pull out your pens and paper because you can learn a lot from just our conversation. But I'm gonna give you guys a quick history on Ricky and I. we met on twitter <laughs> and we met i want to say don't quote me 2009 between 2009 and 2010 i believe i had just um i was either still living in new york or getting ready to move back down south i don't remember and you guys know my story i started off in the fashion industry i wanted to do what ricky is doing now but that didn't work mm-hmm. um that guy sat down real quick but anyway We met on Twitter, and I think that's amazing because now all of these years later, 2017, we've still kept in contact. We've still followed each other's journey, and we still have been very supportive. Um, We've seen each other's ups and downs, and I think that's the amazing thing is that we're virtual friends, but we're friends. And that's kind of not happening too much now. Like, to keep in contact with somebody for this amount of years, I think, is what is unique, to just watch each other grow. So just a quick background history on Ricky, y'all. So Ricky is from Hartford, right? Hartford, Connecticut?
1: Hartford, Connecticut, yeah. Mm-hmm. Hartford,
0: Connecticut. And he reminds me so much of myself because I came from a city that was not fashion-forward, and I say that lightly. Um, <laughs> you know, Hartford, Charleston. Um, you know, you didn't really see too many people trying to pursue that type of career. And I'm talking about, you know, African Americans here, that is. Um, you don't see too many of us pursuing those types of careers. So, Ricky, tell us how you got started in the fashion industry. Um, give us a little back history on yourself.
1: Mhm. Sure, definitely. So, honestly, it all started through Twitter. And I'm the type of person um, where very persistent. So, mm-hmm. I'm gonna go hard. Even if you say no, if I'm getting on your nerves, I have that attitude as I don't care. I'm gonna keep going and going and going. The thing that I find that is crazy enough about my situation is that we all know, like on filter, I mean on Twitter, Ricky DeVista, you guys can follow me. Um, I have no filter. Actually, though. If you look at me back then and now, I've grown a lot <laughs> in, my <laughs> 20, <laughs> in my Twitter years, and I know you can probably say, too, like, when you first met me on Twitter, you probably was like, who the hell, what the hell, and how the hell is this boy, I, I don't know, and it's so funny because I never used to be like this. I used to be one of those quiet kids just reading my books and to my, you know, whatever, but some way, somehow, this voice just came out and its personality. Wow. So, you know, and then on Twitter, it all started with uh, Tiana Smalls, Um, from, she, you know, Girl, Get Your Mind Right. She's the author. She was on TV, What Chili Wants, all that good stuff. So I reached out to her, and to get a response back, I was shocked because here I am in little old Connecticut. Don't know what – no, let me back up. Sorry, sorry. Wait a minute. Pause. Little Kim is where it all started, with the shades, with the the Vista shades. So, I mean, it's just so much that has happened within the past years. But anyways, um, I was on Twitter, and at this time I was making shades. We called them the Vista shades. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. It was just out of creativity. I wanted to do something different. So I had no website. I had no brand. I had nothing. Then I'm putting the glasses on Twitter. One of Little Kim's assistants at the time reached back out to me. And she goes, Well, Little Kim is going to be in your area. And remember, New Year's Eve, you should come and we'll meet up. The uh, promoter of the show and I are cool. So I let him know. And he was like, Oh, I got to get you backstage, blah, 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 blah. So I get, the, now this is all through Twitter. Okay, I don't know what the hell I'm doing again. I don't know what's about to happen, nothing. So I get backstage, I'm on a you know, on a stage, whatever. Mind you, little Kim is my idol, like I know every song word for word. So I I spy the assistant and she's like, Come here, come here, come here. And in my mind, I'm super nervous. I'm like, What the hell is about to happen? I got the glasses <laughs> in the bag, everything. So little Kim comes out with her whole entourage and she performs or whatever and she took a break and she comes back like, to the back area where we were at. And she was like, oh, my God, nice to meet you. And I gave her the shades. I'm shaking. Oh, wow. Um, she puts the shades on. We take a picture. And that's how it all started. The thing where I messed up at, because, again, I didn't have anybody to teach me or guide me, the, the picture goes on Twitter, okay, she retweeted – well, I retweeted the picture, and she was like, you know, shout-out to Ricky DeVista, blah, 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 blah. Sorry. At that time, my name was C.T. stylus. It wasn't ha, even ha, Ricky ha. DeVista. So shout-out to C.T. Stylist or whatever the case may be. Girl, next thing you know, this picture is on Funkmaster Flex. It's on all blogs because the glasses was dope. And everybody's trying to reach out to me like, who the hell are you? What's your website? I want to order these glasses. Do you know if I had the proper guidance back then, I don't know what my life would have been like right now. Right. So it's like I don't want to say I lost that opportunity, but in my heart I kind of did because it just went went nowhere. It went absolutely nowhere. And to this day, the funny thing about it, the assistant – that was her assistant at that time, lives in New Jersey, where I'm at now, and we still we still keep in contact.
0: Wow. So, okay. <laughs> okay, because <laughs> I never knew the back end of that story. I remember the day that picture went viral. I remember, I remember, it, it kind of seems like you walked us through. And shout out to C.T. Stylist, because that is actually the name I followed when you were C.T. Stylist on Twitter. Yep. I forgot about that. Okay, so that, okay, what stuck out to me, first thing first, is, let's Let's retract to the beginning of that opportunity, so I always tell people this, and they laugh at me when I tell them this, but you know how like when you start working with celebrities or getting your products placed on celebrities and stuff mm-hmm. like that, people think that you have to have like this real tight relationship with that person, or how did you get in contact with the celebrity? Which I always tell people nowadays, it's not hard to get in contact with a celebrity because every celebrity, especially the reality stars, have their email addresses in their bio. And right. even if you know it's a booking email address, that's still the starting point. But besides all of that, you did not go through door eight, so you didn't go tweeting Lil Kim and you know trying to get directly to her. You went through her assistant. Mm-hmm. And so I always tell people, like, when, you know, when I was working in New York and I was meeting people and things, people would always say, oh, my God, well, how do you get in contact with these types of people? How do you get in these circles? I'm like, go through door B. Everybody's trying to go through door A. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really that simple. Like, it's really that simple. And so, you know, that was a really good point that you brought up. Another point you brought up is a relationship that you had with, I think you said, the promoter to get you back backstage and get you the access yes. that you needed so that when she got there, you was closer to meeting her. than you would have been, had you not had the relationship. So y'all two points. I mean, go through door B and have the relationships you need beforehand, cultivate those relationships so that when opportunities do come, then you're not just seeming like you're just popping out of the worth asking for a favor or trying to get something and you don't really know somebody. So, you know, those are two points. Now, the part about you missing out the opportunity, you learned a big lesson that mm-hmm. some people still don't get. You know, be prepared. When you get opportunities, make sure your back end is ready for the overflow. So you could have had an online store set up so that people could go to your website, order, and then just is something as simple as your name not matching your Twitter handle. <laughs> like, right. like, that's crazy. So I bet you changed it after that, didn't you?
1: Oh, I definitely I, – I did a whole revamp. I was like, oh, hell no, like this, this can never happen again because I saw how it worked, and I'm not saying that it's super easy because it's definitely not. We all know that. <clears throat> but I was like, this will never – you know, you learn from your mistakes, and I will never let that happen again.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So we know that this moment changed your career, and – you kind of answered the questions I had written down. The two questions, Ricky, I had written down. And you already answered them. Yep. <laughs> how did this moment change your career? And how did you get this opportunity? Okay. So your fashion shows—that's mm-hmm. something else that you are well known for—the trendy walk fashion shows. Now, how many years have you been doing your fashion shows?
1: So I've produced I'm um, seven fashion shows. Next year will be my eighth annual. Um, this year would have been my eighth annual, but we we're gonna discuss that. Um, mm. but, uh, yeah, so I did seven shows so far.
0: Okay. All right. So tell me, somebody come because Hartford isn't a really big city, is it? I've never been to, I don't know.
1: No, Connecticut isn't big at all, and the whole big. Connecticut is not big.
0: Okay, so tell me, how was it? Now, I know coming from, Charleston isn't a, isn't a small city, but is not as big as people think it is either. So I remember doing my first event, it was a black tie event. I was fresh out of New York. So, of course, when you go to New York, and you know because you love New York, you're exposed to so many different things, so many different types of events, events that we don't necessarily have in our hometown. So when I moved back to South Carolina, you know, my first thing was, let me get us a red carpet event together. Let me throw a black tie affair. And in my mind, it was going to be like an adult prom. And we're going to get to that because I know you're having one coming up. Yep. So Mm -hmm. in my mind, I'm thinking – We don't, you know, besides our high school prom, adults don't have a chance to dress up and go somewhere unless they're like elite and running with like the big dogs, the mayors and stuff. We don't have opportunity after our prom to dress up like really nice and walk down a red carpet and do this or that. So those are my intentions. So I planned this big event, like thought that I would have a pastor house. And when I tell you nobody showed up, nobody showed up. And I was so devastated. So, that I think since then that's kind of left like a bitter taste in my mouth about having events in my hometown because I feel mm-hmm. like people just don't get it. They're not going to support it. So now you're going on your eighth year in a small city throwing a fashion show. Tell yep. us how had you made it to eight years? How did you start getting people's interest? Tell us about your first year. Like, Did you have a packed out, sold out show? Tell us how you went about doing that coming from, you know, maybe not too many people knowing who you were. How did you stay consistent and persistent with something
1: like that? So um, with the fashion show, my first year, uh, I started it off, I didn't want any help. I did it out of, like, just fun. You know, I'm like, okay, I love fashion. This state is dead. It's, it's semi-ratchet. There's nothing going on. They're so late with fashion. Let me do a fashion show but it i always wanted to be the producer though i didn't want it to be about me so that's when i was like you know what let me reach out to a few local designers and at that time i was doing the devisa shades too so the devisa shades was a part of the show as well my first show i want to say i had about 75 to 100 people that it wasn't a packed out house it wasn't what i expected to be honest with you, to be 100% honest with you, I thought it would be nobody there for two reasons. That people wouldn't understand the fashion in Connecticut um, and that I wouldn't get support being an openly gay black male in Connecticut. Mm-hmm. So those two things, I'm like, people aren't going to come to this event. But you know what? I've always had that hustle and that grind. So I like, I'm going to do it. So, again, 75, about 75 people come out. So then my, going up to, like, the second, third, and something like that, I'm like, wait a minute. I need a team. There's no way in hell I can produce a fashion show by myself. So I called on my best friends, and we started this team. But then it, it turned – it wasn't a fashion show anymore. It turned into a production where I needed a publicist. I needed just – I needed a lot. I needed sponsors. Then I said, you know what, I got to start giving back. I'm not going to just, you know, take people money and just, you know, go shopping or whatever. i got to give it back. So I I was just super persistent with it, and I was like, you know what, this is fun. So it started off with just a joke, like, I'm going to have a fashion show. Now when I tell you, and I always thank my supporters all the time, I have over 300 people that attend my fashion show, and the audience has changed, like, it's white, black, Spanish, Chinese. People I would have never imagined coming, and I mean not only from Connecticut, you know, there's people from New York coming, mass like everywhere, and I always say I'm glad I'm able to set the platform for the upcoming designers to showcase their work and to get out there. Now what their job to do, because I already set the platform, you got to spread your wings now. Once these people start hitting you up and stuff like that, this is your chance, chance. But the problem is, a lot of people in Connecticut don't have that drive, so they were falling flat. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay, you said a lot. Okay. So, wow, eight years. That's when. Okay, fashion shows you normally only hear about like New York Fashion Week and mm-hmm. like some of the bigger fashion weeks. But I think it's phenomenal that you took something that a lot of people do not even get an opportunity to attain. A lot of people do not get to do the fashion shows because they don't live in the cities where fashion shows are happening. So for you to have some, like 75 people now. You have 300-plus people coming to these shows. That is, like, the that I gave up to. <laughs> like, that's what I take from that is that I gave up too quick on my event, clearly. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, I think everything happens for a reason. I think I even, even here, I set the trend because I'm not even going to lie, my event did not do well. But that following spring, when I tell you there was all sorts of city proms and
1: those Mm -hmm. types
0: of events, and at first I was like, well, damn, you couldn't support mine, but you can do your (laughs) own. Like, I'm not going to lie. Those are my feelings. But in a a way, I was like, you know what? Even if all it meant was for me to set the tone and show them what's possible, then okay, have it. And now I'm kind of glad that they took off with it because I'm not an event planner. I don't even think that's, I know that's not my lane. So, you know, I think sometimes when we attempt to do things, such as an event or or start a new trend, and people don't gravitate or accept it in the way that we hope for, we kind of think that it's like, Doomed and gloom when sometimes maybe God just wants you to be the trendsetter, center and I think you do a phenomenal job at setting the trends. Like I just watch your audience, how much they like follow you and they love you and you know, mm-hmm. even besides the fashion shows, you were on radio hot ninety three point seven I think?
1: Yep, ninety three point seven, trendy Tuesday, yeah.
0: Trendy Tuesday. So you okay. So this is where you started expanding your brand. So yes. you started with the shades, you started with the, the fashion styling, um, the shades, you styled Samaya Reese, um, you worked, you know, Lokim with the glasses, Tiana. Um, I think I read somewhere you even worked with Brian from day twenty six. I mean, yep. you had a pretty good celebrity clientele list. So then you started expanding. So you had the shades, then you had the fashion show, you kinda kicked that off, that was working out for you. Then you went on to do radio, radio personality. And when you started doing radio, I was like, this dude is just killing it. But what I admired about how you expanded was through your expansion and your brand growth, your personality never changed. Mm -hmm. It never changed. You were just using different avenues to showcase your personality in who you were, and your goals really never changed either because when you were a fashion stylist, you wanted your own reality show, and now you still want your own reality show. So your goals never changed. You just are exercising different platforms, and I think that's what people need to see when, you know, everybody's screaming, I want to build a brand, but are you willing to be consistent in who you are wherever you go or whatever platform you're on? So how long were you – on Hot 93.7. I know you just recently moved, so you're not there anymore. But how mm-hmm. long did that opportunity last? Tell us a little bit about how that happened.
1: Definitely. So what a lot of people don't know and what I try to explain to people, that didn't happen overnight, you know. And I gave them five years of my time. So I was on Hot 93.7 for five years. Every Tuesday at 7.45 a.m., I might have missed maybe one or two, but it's, it's my passion. It's something that I love so I put my all into it. The back end is it took me two years to get on that station. So me being who I am, being very persistent and consistent, I would email the program director, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever. Almost uh weekly. And we talk we, we used to talk about that on the station, like, damn dude, you really was you're really persistent, like nobody can take that away from you. And that's how it all started. So it took, took me two years to get on here. They called me. Um, they were like, we want you to come in. We want to – I didn't do it. Honestly, I didn't do a test run, nothing. My name was on the board. They said we're going to do either Tuesdays or Fridays, Trendy Tuesday or twos- Trendy Friday. I was like, Trendy Tuesday sound better. Next, the next Tuesday, I was on that radio station. When I tell you, I didn't know what the hell. Again, I'm always in these situations where, you know, I ask for it but then am I really prepared <laughs> and that's, what another, thing pe- that's right. what another thing people that's another thing people got to realize like girl you about to get on this radio station all these people listening and you don't know what like and then it was a fear that came in because I'm like okay now I'm really going to be a public figure because I'm on the radio people listening everywhere people going to talk junk people are going to like I got this skin got to be super super tough you are on the radio so I get on the radio, and, again, I don't know what I'm about to talk about, and I just, I just go with the flow, and five years later, child, push through.
0: <laughs> That's uh, all I can say. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> yes. I, you know, again, to watch somebody's journey from where you started and to now, it's like, okay. And, again, I think the real message to anybody listening is be who you are consistently and never changed it. I mean, he could have gotten on radio and because of what people were saying, he could have changed up who he was just to keep people happy. I mean, he could have, you know, diluted his brand just to stay on radio, but he never changed it. I even called, I don't live in Connecticut, but I think you went live on Instagram a couple of times and I watched mm-hmm. And I mean, his personality is always the same. And so that's, like, a message in itself, and that's what is missing in a lot of these brands out here in these streets is everybody is is it's so different on different platforms. When you meet them in person, they're not the same, and it's just, like, please, like, stop. Like, please stop. So I think that's what's really amazing about um, watching you grow. So now you're a personal shopper. And you you have, you have some bomb shoes. Like that shoe collection is
1: everything.
0: <laughs> and if I were your type, Ricky, we might have to talk because those <laughs> shoes are like a, a winner. So um, Let me
1: tell you, I love shoes.
0: <laughs> I can tell. I can tell. So do you ever think that that's something that you might also venture into, maybe shoe design? Have you thought about that?
1: Actually, it's, it's been a um, – wait, I want to go back real quick to the radio, okay. real quick. Okay. So um, – now that I'm not on the radio um, anymore, people are harassing me every Tuesday. Every I want to get you. I want you back on the radio. I want you back on the radio. So now I'm trying to venture off into a New York radio station, and I love my supporters so much because they put a post for me. If I put up a post, they'll tag. It's yeah. just like it's just unreal, honestly, and. I that's the only word I could think of. And starting tomorrow what I'm gonna do is and I've posted it, I'm gonna go live. At the same time I was going on the radio, seven forty five, but I'm gonna do it from my house. I have my hot topics and everything because this is what they want. And I can't just let it go, you know. I have right. to I gotta give them what they want. So, okay, yeah. moving forward.
0: <laughs> well, I mean you brought up a good point too now. Let's talk about that. You okay? You had the platform that they pretty much get put put you on at the radio station, and because your situation changed, you had to relocate, which means you obviously couldn't be on the show anymore. You okay? This is something a lot of people miss. You you just gave a golden nugget. Create your own opportunity. Although you have not gotten the opportunity at a radio station yet, you're not going to stop doing what you've been doing. I mean, you could do everything you was doing on the radio right at your house on Instagram mm-hmm. or wherever you're going to do it. So that's another good point, like, for everybody out here, you know, if you want to do something, do it on your own until the the prestige opportunity or the opportunity you really want comes along. Like, never stop. Like, I call it, like, building your digital resume. So if you say you want to be a radio personality, do people have something to go back and look up? Can they Google that and see what you've done? So sometimes waiting on the perfect opportunity you got to make your own like little small opportunities in between because when the, go, like let's just say you meet Oprah tomorrow and you're like Oprah well I want if you start a radio station I want my own show she's gonna be like well where can I hear some clips of you on radio then mm-hmm. what if you just sat down waiting on the opportunity and you didn't have any clips or anything then what you just threw that opportunity in the fans so you got to Create your own opportunities, even if it's not, like, the perfect situation. So, anyway, I'll be tuned into that show. Yeah. Um, 7.45, right? on your
1: 7.45 a.m., yeah. I'm going to give the people what they want.
0: Perfect, perfect. And he, you're at Ricky DaVista. Yes. Okay, cool. So, all right, what was we talking about? I already got sidetracked. Okay, we oh, were we were talking, talking
1: about, about the shoes and stuff.
0: Yeah. So, would you ever... Like, I know you probably have thought about it. Like, start your own shoe line. I mean, you've done the shades before. Are Mm -hmm. shoes something that's on your, like, later board?
1: Absolutely. I thought
0: so. I thought so. Okay, so um, let's see. What else do we need to talk about? Let's talk about, okay, now you're in Jersey. You're a personal stylist. But not too long ago, you encountered something that nobody wants to encounter. Your mom passed away. and that was a major transition for you and your brother and your entire family, I'm sure. Yeah. But you still remain persistent. But I want to dig a little bit deeper because, you know, I got to go there, right? Okay.
1: Yep. Mm-hmm. Mom, uh, I, was, I was prepared, <laughs> trust me. <laughs>
0: your mom, I, you know, I've never met her but I've watched how she supported your shows and how proud of you she's always been. Like, I just from the pictures and things that you shared on social media. So, Being an openly gay male in the fashion industry, I know that you have dealt with some crazy stuff, Mm -hmm. a lot of opinions, a lot of backlash or whatever, but your mom never, she never wavered on her love for you. I know that, like just from watching on social media. Now, I have a sister who is a lesbian Mm -hmm. and... I've kind of gone through the, you know, what people have to say type of thing, and you know, like the whole acceptance thing is just weird. How, you know, some people just are so hell bent on not supporting people that want to live their lives the way they want to live them. Like All I right. said, I witnessed my sister is a lesbian, and that is a, that's my real life. If you want to be technically real, mm-hmm. and I I witnessed how people, you know, have treated her and things like that. So, fail as the thing. Your mom, how she supported you, how since she's passed away, has anything, has anything changed as far as people's support of you, and how has her support of you, no matter what um, experiences you've dealt with, how has that changed your life?
1: Um, it's actually made me go even harder. And um, just speaking, just touching upon it, you know, being gay or whatever, uh, my parents are West Indian. So, you know, we all know how they feel about gays, like, right. you know, and so that that's another child in my life that I dealt with that was that was not cool. You know what I'm saying with my parents and how I came out cuz I never came out to them. Somebody uh told well, it, it it was a big mess, but we we're, we're going to save that for projects that I have coming up. Yes. Um and then you know, it's my my little brother is gay too. So, go figure. It's like, okay, you <laughs> You got two boys that's gay, but I'm the oldest, so, of course, I got looked upon as the one that made him gay, basically. Right. Uh-huh. Um, but anyways, back to the question that you asked, it's, um, I want to say, much harder. And it's unfortunate that, um, I had, that I left Connecticut because of her passing, because now I'm thinking, like, would I have ever left? I mean, I know I would have eventually left, but how would I have left? Would I really yeah. stepped out on, on faith? And the one thing that I will never forget, she told me as she was going, now is your time to follow your dreams. Wow. And that I knew that I was off, I was going to be okay.
0: Wow. Hmm. <laughs> it's just funny how life works. Like you, just when you think that, things are kind of going full circle, and then something yes. it happens. And then now you're off into another chapter. I mean, because if you think about it, she passed, what, October? Was it October? She passed, yep,
1: the day after her birthday, October 4th.
0: Right. Okay, so that was October. It's only April. So in that short amount of time, you've gotten off radio, you're in a whole other city, you have, like, everything. Like, just think about the short time span. Mm-hmm. How much has taken place? And that's just a testament of, you know, when you're persistent through the pain. Because I'm sure that was a painful experience and to have so much going on in the midst of all of that, I think that's what separates the good from the great. Because a lot of times we let life happen and then we get all in the slums and then we just think life is over. But to have her leave you with such a strong life changing message that's all you needed to make that move and to make the decisions that you're making now to continue to push through you know and yeah. I think like that's just amazing and so you know we can take life serious but we also need to just pay attention to the small moments that are happening because everything is a message for us to continue to move forward I mean I'll use myself for example today you know we scheduled this interview for this morning, and I woke up this morning to some terrible news. Like this guy that I knew, he died in a car crash, and today is his birthday. So it's mm. like that was a message for me, and that caused me today to slow down a bit and just really reflect on life and and figure out: Am I really doing what I need to be doing? Am I really living my life? Am I really doing the job that I want to do, not what everybody else wants me to do? So you know, I think. That is really beautiful how your mom, how she really just had your back up until the end. And I think that's what is really going to be special about your story. And so many different dimensions about you, you know, just from the fast industry, all that you've gone through. A lot of millennials need to hear this. And that's why, you know, I wanted to get you on a podcast really because you have such a powerful story that not enough people are talking about. Right. And, you know, life is short. And so we've got to bring these issues out and talk about what's really happening behind the scenes. Because people see what we post, Ricky, and they think life is just all gravy. They have no idea. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Tell me about it. I, it. It's so funny because it, I'm glad you mentioned that. Like, sometimes when I go out and meet people, that they're like, oh my God, um, you look like you'd be having so much fun. I could imagine. I'm like, girl. And you have no <laughs> <idea>. <laughs> only if you do what the the work and stuff consists of,
0: yeah it's it's a lot, man, and that's why you know I can't wait for your podcast because I listen to podcasts all day, and I have my select few where you know they're like real like you can ask anybody, I hardly ever even edit my podcast interviews because I want people to hear like mm. the real things, you know it's. It's just too much filtering going on, and people are going to realize stuff, and you can't filter but so much, and without diluting the part that need that can help somebody or inspire somebody. So, um, you know, I'm gonna need you to get that podcast out here so I can have something. <laughs> to <listen> to.
1: <laughs> yes, I got a lot of stuff I, I, I'm I, I got to work on, and that brings me to like the whole and kudos to you because the one thing I admire and what I wish I can do and I'm going to do it one day is not have a nine-to-five and really <laughs> focus on what I want to do. Right, right.
0: And it's even, you know, like I was telling somebody the other day, you know, I've been an entrepreneur for, gosh, as long as you know me, but, and I've had seasons where I've done my business full-time and then I've gone back into corporate America Then I'll, like, stop again. But this time, honestly, I was forced back into full-time entrepreneurship because when my grandma passed last year, we had moved back to where we went well, in the Charleston area, and, um, you know, I had a job. I was working at a bank, and I hated the job. Like, I absolutely hated it. But I was taking care of my whole family, so I didn't have a choice but to get my butt up and go to that job every day. Mm-hmm. And um, But I always knew, like, it, it seemed like every day I got up and went on that job, like, a noose was getting tighter and tighter around my neck. Like, I literally, there were mornings where I would be crying in the way to work, like, I don't want this one here. My boss hates me. I don't want to be here. Like, I just feel like my life outside of work is completely different, and I never wanted that to be me. Like, I never wanted to be a different person outside of work than I was at work. And so, um, long story short, I ended up having to, you know, leave that job, um, move, and you saw my story, like, I literally had to find a new place to live, like, within a week, and, like, a lot happened, like, between September, and November last year, things got really real, mm-hmm. and it was during that same time that I pretty much left my job, so here I am now, like, okay, I'm in this new place, taking care of my family, and, like, what am I going to do for money? <laughs> like, right. that that was really – I have a two-year-old. Like, I'm pretty much taking care of my mom because she had pretty much lost everything she had taking care of her mom when her mm. mom was dying. So I'm like, okay, all the responsibility is on me. Now, what am I going to do because I just walked off my job? So I started, like, going on those little online um, job search websites and stuff. And when I tell you out of all of my years of being employable, I could not find a job. I filled out every type of re- um, applications. That my everywhere. I could not find a job. I finally nailed down a job at a chiropractor office. And when I tell you they had my schedule all jacked up, it was part-time. It was like 30 hours a week. But he would call me in, and then, like, I think I'm getting, like, six hours a day, and he let me go home after four. I'm like, I can't work like this and pay my bills. <clears throat> when I got my first check, it was 50 hours, and my check was less than $500, and it was mm-hmm. the first of the month. I said, no, no, no. I cannot do this. Like, I could stay home and hustle and run my business if I do it the right way and make more money than this in a week than I can do spending up and time, all of my time up on this job. And it right. was at that moment I made the choice. And it wasn't because I wanted to necessarily get back into this full-time But I didn't have a choice. And when you don't have a choice, you are forced to get up every day and do what you have to do to make money. So I tell people all the time, like, when they're like, oh, like, you know, I want to be a full-time entrepreneur, I'm like, well, you better have a real hustler's heart inside you because when you get up, what you do that day determines how you eat and how you pay your bills. And they're like, oh, really? I'm like, yeah. Did you think you were listening? Will it come from the sky?
1: No. (laughs)
0: So I know when that time comes for you, you'll do well, because you're like me. You're a real hustler at heart. Yeah. um, Yeah, and I, you know, and the time is going to come, and, like, all of these years that both you and I have been putting in work, networking, building relationships, all of that matters, like, when it's time to make that transition, because you have those relationships and those networks to fall back on. I mean, you heard how you just said, your people they share your posts, they tag you, they support you. That is what you need to continue to
1: drive, really.
0: Mm-hmm. And I mean your personality is just so contagious, like who who doesn't love you?
1: Like who Yeah, you? it's just, if you don't I don't I don't know what's wrong with you but you know. Yeah that's how it is and and another thing about me too and you know a lot of people preach it but you know, I, I would say like you just have to be humble because I could be one of those and you know, a lot of people look at, like, a gay male, like, oh, real conceited, real stuck up, da-da-da. But in my opinion, like, you have to be humble because, again, anything can be taken from, away from you, number one. We okay. all know that. And, like, why not? Like, you know, you don't got to go around, like, me and you, we're very proud of ourselves. We're very proud of our accomplishments. But you don't see us going around, like, bragging about it mm-hmm. and being nasty about it and stuff like a lot of people do. it. a lot of people felt like that.
0: Right. Because it's just not necessary, and we both know that life can change within a matter of seconds. Right. So as quick as we could be up today, you could be down tomorrow, and you could be relevant today, and nobody cares about you tomorrow. And so you got to stay moving. you got to stay grinding and networking and and putting yourself where you want to be. And so, you know, I look at you, how you go to these love and hip-hop reunions, and you was invited to Mona's birthday party, like, not too long ago, weren't you?
1: Yep, because mm-hmm, she came to my store.
0: Yes, yeah.
1: Mona actually came to my store in my department, and the funny thing is, I'm you know working or whatever, because um, I'm the assistant manager of the department, and I just happen to look up, and she's just standing there smiling, and I, all I could, I'm like, wait, Mona, like I had to really, because I know she lives out here, but. I wasn't expecting it. You know, it was just like, wait a minute. And it's funny because her husband follows me too. So he mm-hmm. had hit me up about like some shoes or whatever. But, you know, that he knew that I worked at a mall. But, yeah, then she's like, okay, oh, you shop in other areas? I'm like, of course. Her daughter's, daughter was with her. And then I got invited to the party. So, oh. and it's just a blessing that I'm out here now because had I been in Connecticut and she would have invited me, it would have took me two hours to get there. Then turn right back around two hours. Girl, I'm twenty three minutes away from the city. Like wow. you it's just like amazing. It, like you're just uh, getting
0: closer and closer.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> so, you know, that's like that's that's
0: just, you know, another testament that If you just keep doing, and I'm sure she, because you tweeted her, like, only 10 million times.
1: Girl, (laughs) until she followed me. Her, Stephanie, (laughs) the whole everybody, yup.
0: Right, so, you know, little things like that that people may not think matter, it matters. Like, these people that they think are, like, untouchable, like Mona, they probably think that she just, you know, you can't reach her ever, like, These people are real people. So if you reach out enough times, they don't have no choice but to pay attention. So I'm sure, you know, your name rang a bell even if once you introduced yourself. Like, people remember. You've got to get in people's minds and get people to remember you. And who knows, like, that one, who's to say she's not going to do a, a new reality show the next year and she's going to remember your personality from meeting you your tweets, um, interacting with her, being at her birthday party, like all of these things are like contributions to really, like you're building a relationship with her without it even seeming like you're building a relationship with her. And that's what you have to do. Like sometimes people just reach out and ask for something without building that relationship. You got to build relationships with people. And, like, opportunities will come. Absolutely. Yeah. So, all right.
1: Tell us what you have coming up next. So up next, um, of course, you know, the podcast, working on that, working on trying to get on a radio station in New York City, working on my eighth annual um, fashion show, debating if I should have it in Connecticut or bring it to New York, and last but not least, this good old book of mine.
0: Yeah. (laughs)
1: Yes, it's time you've inspired me through <laughs> your books and I know I have a story yeah. um and I, I'm a, I'm super excited actually about it very excited. You Gonna hurt be. a few feelings I'm sure and but you know <laughs> it is what it is. Well, I'm hey, putting no. it all out
0: there, so. Listen, and when you start writing books, you're gonna hurt a lot of feelings, and it could be something as simple as you not putting somebody's name on the thank you page. Trust
1: me, I've been there. Wow, I think <laughs> it, I think it would, I think it would go to that, but okay. Oh
0: yeah, it get like it's it's
1: just crazy. I'm like, well, write your own book
0: and put your own like put like <laughs> <that's all> right.
1: <laughs> Like why? right, put your, your own thank book? you.
0: Yeah, but anyway, so, you know, I is enjoyed this conversation, and we're going to obviously talk offline. But, yeah. um, you know, I really wanted to, like, share you with my people because they need to know who you are. And like I said, when I started this podcast, I vowed to not have no fluff on here. It needs to be real because we're, like I said, we're going to real stuff. We are real hustlers, real entrepreneurs trying to live our dreams or living our dreams really because this is a part of it. And um and so thank you for hanging out with us and special thank you to everybody that's listening. Make sure you guys follow Ricky on Instagram and Twitter. It's at Ricky DeVista, right?
1: Yeah. Ricky
0: DeVista. And his website is rickydevista.com. dot com. And y'all just follow him on Instagram, and he shares pretty much everything on there. Y'all make sure y'all stay tuned for his podcast, his radio show. Join him Tuesday mornings at 7.45 a.m. Eastern, right?
1: Yep, Eastern time. On his
0: Instagram page. And um, y'all just stay in tune with him. Like, he's going to be doing some amazing things. And thank you guys so much for tuning in for another episode. Season 2 is on the floor, y'all. And we've got two more episodes, and then I'll be taking another break because I am like getting ready to start my book promo. So yes. I need to, like, focus on that. Um, but don't worry, because I have another surprise kind of along the lines of a podcast, but it's going to be geared towards the book. So y'all stay tuned for all of that. Thank you, guys, for continuing to review the podcast on iTunes. We are now a five-star podcast. So continue to drop your reviews. I am... So thankful for each and every one of you. And don't forget that you can text Tabletop to 31996 to become a Tabletop with Toddy Insider. And until next time, I will talk to you in episode 23. This episode is brought to you by TheMotivationMaven.com, your one-stop shop for all things motivation. To learn more about advertising on Tabletop with Toddy, email info at